0: You are listening to Cross Point Community Church in Lagrange, Texas Podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurch.tx.org. It's a little toasty in here. I ordered cooler weather, but it's toasty. I started off with a sweater, but uh, it's gone. I'll keep this on, save you guys. But um, hey, listen, 2022's been a year, right? And uh, I don't know what kind of year it's been. It's, it is what it is. And so 2022, is a, one of the things I, I have a tendency to do is, is um, I'm a planner. If you were to do my Enneagram or my uh, Myers-Briggs or any of those little personality tests and stuff, I come out as a planner. And uh, plot the plan And work the plan Live the plan And manipulate the plan And if somebody chose to go out the plan You throw them out No, I'm just kidding And you work the plan And so as it come to the end of the 2022 I have a tendency to look back and see the things Where I can see God's hand And where I make good decisions Where God interrupted my bad decisions All of that And it's, it's a fun exercise for me and There's a guy that I know Followed by the name of Michael Hyatt And uh, Michael Hyatt, one of the things that he um, talks about is planning and how to get most of your day and all that kind of stuff. And it's really boring things to most people. But um, one of the questions that he has you ask yourself is this, is as you look back over a year, what genre of movie or TV would your life look like? Or how would you describe it? And so like some years, it's been like a comedy of horrors, Right. Or it's been a love story, or it's been a drama, or it's been whatever it may possibly be. And so this year, as I was looking back over it and thinking about it, I did this exercise with a couple of people just the other day, and we were thinking about all those things. And in those moments, it's kind of like, I I don't remember what I did. But then you start thinking about it and process it and you're like, oh hey, like I got to go, one of the things i love to do is to travel and so I got to go to Israel this past year and it was a great, it was one of those lifetime type trips and so I got to do that. I got to go to Colorado with family and see old friends and, and do several different things throughout and so that's what I immediately went to and thought about, hey, traveling and some of the good things and some of the interesting things. I got to experience COVID in Israel. So that was really cool. You know, so those kind of stuff and so that wasn't even my decision. My decision was to not have it. And even though I tested four times negative, Israel still said I had it. You know what I mean? So it's just those kind of things. And so, anyway, so travel happens. What do you, what do you think about in those moments and then thinking about 2023 and and what do I want out of 2023 for myself for Crosspoint for my family for the people I work with and and do life with what what are my hopes and dreams not only for myself but for those that I influence and do things with and so um, thinking about that and, and so as we come into 2023 this is and we end our series on seasonal emotions I want us to think about this idea of being confused and disturbed. And that idea of confused and disturbed is this moment where you think you've got everything planned out perfectly and God disrupts your plan. And what are we going to do? And how are we going to respond? And are we going to be able to say like little young lady Mary said, I'm your servant. Let it be in a moment when her story was confusing And disturbing for herself. So thinking about this idea of traveling, the story that I heard a few years ago about this husband and wife, and the wife liked to travel, the husband didn't, so the husband stayed home and took care of everything around while the wife traveled in Europe. And so it sounds pretty good to me. Sounds like a great deal. So she was traveling alone, and so she was going to go to London and Paris and Rome and Vienna and some other places. But those were the four big cities that she was going to see and experience. And so She's in Europe. She's done London for a few days, and she calls back home, and she says, Hey, honey, how are things going? He's like, Well, pretty good. I just need to let you know the cat died. Yeah, right? And so she's like, begins to cry. She's disturbed and and all that. And so she's like, How insensitive can you be? And he's like, Well, you ask how things are going. I was honest, and, and so what should I say? And so I, I don't know if that's something we as husbands should ask our wives, what should I say, but, but he did. And so she told him, and she gave him advice, and she said, listen, if you were a really sensitive husband, this is how you would have told me. And so she said, when I got to London, you would have, I would have said, hey, how are things going? And you would have said, hey, Lucy's on the roof. He's like, okay. And then when I got to Paris, you would have said, Lucy fell off the roof. Like, okay, things are not quite good. And then when I got to Rome, you would have said, hey, Lucy's not doing very well. And then when I got to Vienna, you would have said, hey, Lucy has passed away. At least then I could have experienced in Rome and I would have had a great time and all this different stuff. And, 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 and you wouldn't have been so insensitive. She's like, Okay says, the next time I'll I'll do that. I I hear you. I was insensitive. I'm sorry. I apologize. The things that husbands say in those moments, right? I'm sorry. I would not do that. And so in the midst of that conversation, she says, hey, by the way, how's mom? He's like, well, she's on the roof. (laughs) Life sometimes is confusing and disrupting, isn't it? It doesn't matter how the news comes. It can kind of shake us. And so here in the story of Christmas, Mary has that moment. She's a 13 to 15-year-old girl. We have a tendency to forget that she was younger in that culture. She's 13 to 15 years of age, and she has just said yes to Joseph to marry him. Now we understand that Joseph would have been probably 25 to 28 somewhere in that age. He's got a skill, he's got a trade. He has a room off of his father's house. He had built a room and it was ready to receive his wife. And so what he would have done, Joseph would have known Mary and would have gone to Mary's father and said, "Hey, I've known Mary. She's a woman of great care, young woman of great character, great promise. We have a, I think we like each other, and so let's discuss a bride price." And the two the Joseph and Mary's father would have sat down and had a discussion over a bride price which we call dowry and what does it look like for us for me what do you need for me to bring mary into my family and so they would have discussed that and after they had agreed to what the bride price was they would have sealed a covenant between joseph and mary's father with a glass of wine so they weren't baptists they had some wine and they enjoyed that moment together and then as a part of that mary would then be invited into the discussion and say hey Mary, is Joseph a man that you would like to spend the rest of your life with? And they discuss their dreams, and what would it potentially look like for the two of them to establish a home? And if both of them agreed to that relationship and the future and hopes and dreams that they had, the two of them would then drink from the same cup and establish a covenant together as a family. And then Joseph would also offer a gift. And usually that gift was a ring, similar to our engagement ring. And for the next 10, 11 months, they would be engaged. And Mary, what she would be doing from that moment on is anytime that she left her house, she would wear a veil so that the glory of her face, the glory and radiance of who she was would only be displayed on the first time by anyone else would see it would be her husband on the wedding night. And so every time that she left. She'd be wearing a veil, and people obviously know who she is, but she would not display her glory and her beauty and the radiance of who she is. And for the next nine to ten months, everything about her life is then preparation, the final preparations for being the bride, for being the wife, for being the homemaker and caretaker of the home that she and Joseph will be putting together. And so here she is at 13 to 15 years of age. She didn't grow up in a house like what we have with a picket fence and cars and all that. She was most likely her house was a cave. And so she's living day to day, hand to mouth. And now she has an opportunity as a 13, 14, 15 year old to have hopes and dreams with this man called Joseph. And the moment that she drinks of the wine and the covenant wine with Joseph, they are legally, they are bound together. So even though they're engaged in our, our day, engagement means something different than marriage. In those days is a legally binding contract. And so they were For all intents and purposes, they were married and planning and prepping their life together. They didn't live together. That was going to be coming soon, but they were preparing for that moment. And so here's a 13 to 15 year old young lady with hopes and dreams. And can you imagine her story and the confusion and the disturbance that happened in her heart and mind in these next few passages? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter one, be starting in verse 26 and go into verse 38. It says this in the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and you need to know that Elizabeth is a family member of Mary, and Elizabeth is quite older, and she was known to be barren. She hadn't had a child, but she through a promise to her and her husband was with child, and that child was John the Baptist, the forerunner to Jesus, the Elijah of the the forerunner, like Elijah in the Old Testament. And so here, Elizabeth is about to have John the Baptist, and so God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. Now Nazareth is a small village. We understand about the time of Jesus, it was probably two to three hundred people. Okay, so a very small village. They're living in caves on the side of the hills. There's a whole different, different way of living than what we live today. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. So the lineage was right. Everything was, was lining up. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now, think about this. Here's Mary. She's 13 to 15. She's in her cave. She's in there doing stuff. She's getting ready. She's preparing. She's got the sewing machine going. Whatever she's doing, she's getting ready. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, I'm assuming a bright light shown. And all of a sudden, greetings, favorite woman. The Lord is with you. And isn't it amazing that the next phrase is this confused and disturbed? I think that's an understatement. Any of y'all had an angel show up at your house this week. No, all right? And so you can imagine, here she is. She's going about her day, and then God shows up in a big way. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, or do not fear, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, the anointed one. Joshua. He will be very great. It will be called the Son of Of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, think about this. I mean, this is, she's getting this news, and so she's like, hey, I'm 13 and 15, and all of a sudden you're telling me I'm going to have a son, and I know that Joseph is the line of David, I understand that, but you're telling me that my son is going to be the son of the Most High, and that he's going to be king, and he's going to be sitting on David's throne. She's like, man, I'm just from little Nazareth. How in the world is this going to be possible? So She's excited in that moment of thinking, wow, God, you're, you're telling me something big. My life is about to grow and be expansive. But there's one little thing in the back of Mary's mind. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. We won't go into that. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the babe to be born will be holy. And he'll be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of the Lord will never fail. In other words, the promises of God will always be fulfilled. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Now think about this. It hasn't been too long since she's been engaged to Joseph. So she has these hopes and these dreams and these plans, and she's in a small village, a couple hundred people. They know Mary. They know that she's engaged. And one of the reasons in those days that they would wait for more than ten months is so that they would know that the relationship had been pure. And so now she knows, and she's got this in the back of her head of, hey, listen, the moment that people begin to see that I am pregnant... Questions are going to be asked. There's going to be whispers. There's going to be talk that happens in small towns. I hear people talk and gossip and things begin to spread and it may or may not be true. And so and so she's like, how am I going to tell my parents their hopes and their dreams for me? And 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 Joseph, what's he going to do? What's he going to say? And, And to think about all this different stuff going on in her mind. And in the midst of all of this, at the end of this conversation, she's able to say as a young teenager, I am the Lord's servant. What you say may be true about me. Going from confused and disturbed to I am the servant of the Lord may it be what you say. How can we get from confused and disturbed but be able to say I'm the Lord's servant? Whatever it is that you want for me, God, I will do it. There's it a great quote. From a philosopher of the 20th century he says this we understand life looking backward In other words, we have great hindsight. It's called what 2020, right? We can see clearly in the past But we must live looking forward And that's the hard part So here's mary We get to look at her story in hindsight and go well sure Yeah, it makes sense that this 13, 14, 15-year-old said, yeah, let me be the Lord's servant. Whatever it is you say, I will do it. It makes sense to us, but we get hindsight. And she's there at 13, 14, 15 saying, God, I do have no idea what's happening. I'm confused and disturbed. I'm scared. I'm fearful. All the different emotions. I have anxiety. I have worry. All these conversations. You can imagine life sped up in that moment. And she was still able to say, I am the Lord's servant. Allow me to do what you ask me to do. It's in those moments looking backward, but where we live life. And it's something that happens in these moments between looking at the past and going forward is this thing called faith and trust. It's where we have this encounter and exchange with God on a deep level an understanding in our soul and our knower that our knower knows that we know. So how I've come to understand it in our soul. There's a peace, There's an understanding that God has got our back and he's asking us to do something. And that the reason that he's asking us to do something and the reason that we even have the ability to say yes to move forward, even though we don't know the future is because we have hindsight with him. And can see how time after time after time he's proven himself faithful before. Because, listen, here's what I believe. is This is not the first encounter that Mary has had with God. She has seen God and had activity with God. She's had a relationship with God. She's had conversations with God. Now, she may not have had an angel show up. But I guarantee you she's been reading the word of God. I guarantee you she's been going to the synagogue. I guarantee you her family's been gathered around and she's had conversations, she's had community, she's had moments with God. And so in this moment when God shows up and confuses her and disturbs her plan, she'd be able to step back and say, Listen, I don't know what the future holds. It's scary. I'm afraid of it. I'm fearful. But God, you're asking me. I'm going to do it. I'm your servant. Because in the past, you've always fulfilled your promises, not only for me, but for my people. So I'm confused and disturbed, but I can say I will be your servant. I understand looking back, and I can go forward because of you in the past. God doesn't abandon us in our future. One of the things, actually, in that moment of confusion and disturbance, and even confusion and disturbance maybe even for Elizabeth, is it was God's perfect timing. Galatians 4.4. But when the right time came, some of your translations will say in the fullness of time. Literally, it means at the moment when a woman is about to give birth, it's the perfect time. Think about in that moment, there's joy, there's anticipation, there's anxiety. At the very moment of the giving of birth, God sent his son born of a woman is the perfect time. The fullness of time. Yes, it was scary for Mary. Yes, it was scary for Elizabeth. But God did not abandon them. Their story intersected with his And so even in their confusion, even in the disturbance, it was the perfect time for God and for the story of God to be propelled. And So a young girl in a little village in Nazareth said yes. There's moments in our stories where God intersects with us and it's the perfect time in God's story for us to say yes. So we think, God, why me? And God's like, why not you? Think about it. Adam and Eve to Abraham and Sarah. To King David, to the Babylonian exile, and Daniel, and Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego. And now, right before Jesus, there was 400 years of silence. There were many false messiahs. And all of a sudden, God says, it's the perfect time for a young lady from Nazareth. In the midst of her confusion, in the midst of her disturbance, to say, this is the perfect time. Father, I am your servant. Do with me what you want. We can see through looking back the difficult circumstances and see his good purpose moving ahead. We can trust in that moment, the transaction that happens. I think this is one of the things that we forget that happens in prayer. Is this prayer is many times, it's not about getting what we want, but aligning our hearts with what God has asked of us. So even if you think back to the Garden of Gethsemane, whenever Jesus had had his friends come along and say, hey, you stay here, I'm going to go pray. What we learned a few weeks ago is that Jesus repeatedly fell to his knees in the struggle of prayer and saying, God, not my will, but your will. God, not my will, but your will. God, if there's any other way than this, can you imagine that maybe it was probably Mary's first thought. If there's any other way, I don't want I've, those people can be mean. She still did it looking in the past. There's this guy named Steve Jobs. Maybe you've heard of him. Um, He's pretty famous, I hear, or was. And did you know that here's a guy who's been successful in life and he didn't go to college? Well, he did, but he dropped out. And As a matter of fact, he's been so successful that one day he actually gave a speech at a college graduation. And he said, I... Probably the last person that should be here because I've never graduated college, so I don't even know what this experience is. But but I want to share a story with you, and the story is this. is Yes, I dropped out of college, and everyone said it wasn't the right decision. And maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But I dropped out of college, and I was still interested in learning, though. So as I was walking across college after dropping out, I saw a course was being offered, and it intrigued me. And It was this class, wonderful class called calligraphy. Sounds like a great college class, doesn't it? Like underwater basket weaving. And he said, you know what? I'm going to go take that class. And he registered for that class. And because of that class, computers today are different than what they probably would have been. Because whenever we started Apple, my friend and I got together and he had fallen in love with type fonts and spacing and the beauty of the written language. And he said, because of that, whenever we created the Apple, whenever we created the Mac, we created type fonts and font faces and perfectly spaced things so that people could enjoy the beauty of all of that writing and the calligraphy. And so now Apple and Mac and, of course, we know Windows and those guys copy Mac. All computers have beautiful writing. And he says, listen, there's going to be moments in your story where you're going to make decisions and everyone else says it's the wrong decision. But you have to make the right decisions for yourself. Now, Steve Jobs is not a believer. Actually, he was against Christianity because of his experience in Christianity. But he believed in a higher being and that the higher being was moving and shaking the world. And you and I understand as followers of Jesus that the scripture teaches us that that higher being is the person of God. That it's not a clockmaker who set things in motion, but God who intimately created the world. In the beginning, God created. And He created with great detail. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows the intimacy of your story. He knows the places of your heart and soul that you want to hide, but He knows them. And He still loves you. You're gonna make bad decisions. If you're past the age of two, you're going to make it a decision that you're going to have a regret over. Here's the interesting thing, and I think the great thing is God will not abandon you or forsake you. God will actually use your bad decisions and all of your decisions for your future. Because he has a plan for you, he has a purpose for you, he has hopes and dreams for you. Most importantly, he has hopes and dreams for all of humanity. And that is that everyone will at one time say the name of Jesus to proclaim his name and face. And he will be made famous. And so God, in the midst of our bad decisions and all the decisions that we make, the things, decisions we make all throughout the day that influence and impact our lives, God is still sovereign. Your dumb decisions... Don't destroy the plan of God. Like, you need to write that down. You need to put that on your mirror. The dumb decisions I make today are not bigger than God. Matter of fact, even this last week, I'm teaching college classes, and one of my students, they're having a big project. It's their final project to graduate with a biblical studies degree. And so there's, there's a lot of weight and anxiety and worry over how's this professor going to grade their papers. And I'm mean, Okay. And so she's doing all this different stuff and she's gotten some of her things back. And she's like, I think I'm just overthinking this and I want to have more control over this than what I have. And I just kind of laughed to myself and said, hey, I emailed her back and I said, unless you were there in that moment, it said in the beginning, God created. Relax. Relax. Your decisions, your mistakes. Yes, they will have an impact in your life, but God is so much bigger than your mistakes. Proverbs 16:9 even tells us, we can make our plans, but God dictates and determines our steps. So some of you today, you're like me. You've got your 2023 plan, your Google calendar, your Apple calendar, whatever it is. You've already got your different things on there. You've got your dates. You've got your homework assignments in there. You've got all the different stuff. All that stuff's planned out. Guess what? The first week, what happens? Somebody messes it up. Somebody messes up your schedule. You've determined your steps. You've made plans, but God is the one that determines the steps. He knows what you need to be doing. In hindsight, Mary's decision seems easy. But it wasn't. This past year, this coming year, there's going to be moments where in hindsight a decision looks easy. But in the moment, it's going to feel like life or death. It's going to feel huge. But in that moment of Mary's big decision, it was the perfect Time. It was the fullness of time. And why was it the fullness of time? A couple of questions I want you to get. Can God allow this disruption to, to happen now? Why can God allow this disruption to happen? Because it's in his perfect timing for you, but also in his perfect timing for his story. So in the story of Mary, it was the perfect time because politically Rome had just a few years before decided, hey, listen, all these other religions no one can worship but Jews, we're going to allow them to worship the God that they worship. Because if we, don't, we, if we don't allow them, they get cantankerous and we're tired of dealing with them. And so you let them have some freedom in worship and, and, and in a way that they'd never had before. It was also a time of peace. The entire known world had peace. There, was no, there were little skirmishes in here and there, but there was no major war. You could travel different places around the world through the roads that were being built faster and easier and safer than any other time in history. It's also culturally. This guy named Alexander the Great few years before had brought in Hellenization and the Greek culture and the Greek language. And so everywhere you would go in the known world, guess what language they spoke? Greek. So that made... The spreading of the gospel easier. That made the exchange of money easier. All the different things that happened because of that was the spreading of the gospel because people had a shared language like never before. And even one of the main thoughts of the day, Greek philosophy was challenging how people were living and thinking. And the Greek philosophers of the day were asking this one question. What is the meaning of life? And so spiritually, culturally, Politically, everything was just ripe for the picking. So even in your own life, whenever disruption comes, instead of asking why, God, maybe to step back and say, why not? Or, God, what are you doing with me in the midst of this? Another question for you to ask is, God, how can you let me make this decision? It it seemed like bad timing for Mary. Mary. But it was the best time for her to say yes, Abraham and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah went to Egypt and Abraham made a bad decision and God turned it around for good. Daniel and his friends, some of his friends made a bad decision. God turned it around for good. Joseph, young man who was sold into slavery by his brothers and. A few years later, they were in the midst of a famine and they went to this country called Egypt and they show up in this guy's house and they're saying, hey, we need money. We need food. And this guy says, aha, that's my brothers. God turned around their bad decision for good. I'm not saying that we should be making bad decisions. But here's the deal is that God is bigger than our bad decisions. God's plan could not be thwarted by our ignorance and stupidity. Even decisions that we think are the right ones for God, sometimes are not, and God still uses them. So take a deep breath and say to yourself, thank goodness I'm not God, and he is. We still have free choice, but God is still sovereign. He's going to reign, and he's going to rule, and he's going to work it out to his end and to his good for his fame and his glory. Ordinary decisions can accomplish eternal purposes, and God does it in his perfect time. If he can create the world and run it, surely he can work in your life and do what you got. Again, we understand, as we look back, we can see with 2020. My prayer for us is in 2023, or even in these next few weeks, When God interrupts your life, he's probably not going to interrupt it with an angel named Gabriel. He may, if he does, call me. I want to be there. (laughs) Text me, whatever. If you you have the wherewithal to think about that. Pastor Chris, what's his name again? Um, I would love to be there, but he's probably not. But he is going to disrupt you. He is going to intervene in your life. If you're seeking him, he will disrupt it. Even if you're not, he will disrupt it to get your attention. And the ways that he does that most often is when you're reading his word, when you're spending time over the next few days and you even hear the story that you've heard maybe a thousand times. You hear it in a new way and God challenges you and creates confusion and disturbance. Because in that confusion and disturbance, in the discomfort, growth happens. So maybe it's not through his word, but maybe it's through circumstances. Or maybe it's just that in the knower of the knower of your soul, that the spirit of God speaks to the depth of your heart and your soul and your mind. And that you know that you know that you know that God is speaking to you and he wants you to do something and step out in some way. And my prayer is, is in the midst of that confusion and disturbance. That because you can look back with 2020 hindsight and see the activity and promises of God fulfilled in your life. That you can say, I'm your servant. Whatever it is that you want, let it be. And to know that you can move forward because of who he's been in the past. Because surely, if God can show up to a little city like Nazareth, he can show up to one of us in a town called LaGrange, Texas. And I guarantee you, he has in 2022, and he will in your life in 2023. Let's pray together. Father, this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. History literally hinges on his birth. Father, you disrupted the life of his mother and his father and the family. And this young lady was able to say in the midst of that, let it be. God, if this is what you want, let it be. My prayer for us is that we've had such experiences with you in our past that we can say in those moments of confusion and disturbance when you encounter us in these next few days and weeks and months and year, that we can say, I am your servant. Lord, whatever you want with my life, with me, let it be. Let it be for your glory, for your fame, for your honor. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Crosspoint Community Church podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Crosspoint Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.